Good evening, guys. We are live. I'll just give it a few seconds, as always, to catch up. As we do, and let people join. There we go. Brilliant. Have a look. There we go. Get that shared to the main page. Good evening, guys. Um, welcome to Live and Undrugged Series 2, Episode 8. I am with um, Paul Fortune. Um, before we start, I'd like to thank my sponsors, as always, um, Mr. James Jeffries um, uh, and uh, Cannabis. Um, CBD. Paul, thank you for coming on. Um, it's it's a it's an honour to have you on uh, all the way from California. Thanks, um, Jack. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, great. Let's let's go back to the start um, of your journey um, and tell us about you. Okay. Well. Um... When I was born, I was born with something called cerebral palsy. And if your viewers don't know what cerebral palsy is, it's lack of oxygen to the brain at labor. And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at labor, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this is permanent. This doesn't go away. This can affect your speech. A lot of bad things can happen with having cerebral palsy. So when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mother was concerned about that. So she got me to the doctors for testing and it indeed came back that I suffered from cerebral palsy. And the first doctor thought it was so severe that he thought that, um, I would never be able to walk. And when I got to a certain age, it would be a good idea to put me in a wheelchair because that was going to be my life going forward. And I've had a conversation, many conversations with my mom about this. And when my mom heard that news, naturally she was very, very upset, uh, cried herself to sleep, wondering what her baby boy's life was going to be like, uh, not being able to walk. But the next day, when she got me ready to start the day, I gave her a look. If to say, Mom, don't let this be my story. And that mama bear started raging inside of her. And she got a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion, a fifth opinion. And with this physician's help and me doing physical therapy five to six times a week and my mom's unrelentless attitude to make sure her baby boy walked, I was able to walk at age three. Now, I don't really remember all that, but I do remember being put into uh, soccer, uh, which I think you guys call football, when I was up five or six years old. And uh, at the time, I probably could run 25 to 50 yards before my leg would give out. So I'm basically standing there on the field while these other kids are playing soccer all the way around me. And I remember one day after practice, I've always thought about this uh, going forward, what my mom said to me. I told my mom I didn't want to play soccer anymore. And my mom said, Paul, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine. But you need to honor your commitments. You need to finish out that soccer season. And if you don't want to play soccer after that, that's your prerogative. And that's exactly what has happened. I'm 41 years old. I haven't played soccer since that, that season when I was five or six years old. But I got a big break right after that season. 
I got surgery on my right foot to tighten up the tenants, give me a little bit more spring in my step and kind of take away the pain I was feeling when I ran. And I didn't know how much of a game changer this was going to be, but it was going to be a huge game changer for me. I switched schools around this time. My first, and I remember my first day, first grade, PE, physical education, we did our stretches and the teacher says, okay, guys, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards. I'm going to have to stop. These kids are going to see that. And they're going to start to tease me. But because of my surgery, it was different. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember, say, like, remember saying to myself, come on, Paul, come on. You got this, buddy. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. The first time in my young life where I just fit in, I didn't stand out. I felt so good about myself. And because of the surgery, things got easier for me, but I wouldn't consider them easy. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And I had to switch schools again. And that's a tough age to switch schools at. Kids are uh, becoming teenagers. They're going through hormonal changes. And a lot of them have been going to school with each other for years and years and years. They've already formed their cliques and they don't have time for new kids. So just being a new kid alone is going to be a tough thing. But I'm a new kid who also holds his right arm differently and walks with a little bit of a limp. So it was even tougher for me. I had a really hard time breaking into this, this new school. Um, couldn't make any friends, get bullied and teased pretty much every day, spit on, tackled, everything. You name it, I, I, it was done to me during this time. And on top of all this that was going on, uh, my mom raised me Catholic, so she wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see uh, where they were going to place me when I got to high school. Well, I must have bombed that test because when I met with the principal and my mom, uh, the principal tells the both of us they're going to put me at the lowest level possible, and she doesn't expect much from me. I don't seem like I'm college material. After one test, this principal says this to, to us. So now, not only am I getting bullied and teased in school, now I think I'm stupid. I'm crying myself to sleep most nights going, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't I just be like any other kid? And I don't know what came over me, Jack, but uh the start of eighth grade i was sick and tired of feeling angry and sad all the time um those were my go-to emotions because of the environment i was in but i knew deep down those weren't the emotions that i wanted to show those that wasn't the, the person i was and i thought to myself what could i do to distract me from those feelings and kind of ignore that noise and i thought what if i set a goal for myself and i thought well what goal could i set for myself and at the time i loved baseball so I said, what if I tried to make my high school varsity baseball team um, and make that my goal? So I started playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And while I was going through this journey, I remember one season, a coach comes up to me and says, hey, Paul, you play a lot of baseball. Do you have any, any goals with this? And for, for the longest time, I didn't want to tell, tell him what my goal was to make my varsity baseball team because I thought he'd laugh at me. But he finally got it out of me. I finally told him that that was my goal. And he, and he paused for a second and he said, that's doable. I'm like, what? That's doable? He goes, yeah, it is doable. But you got to have other people keep you accountable for your goal. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, you got, after practice tomorrow, you're going to tell the team that that's your goal. And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to tell the team that they're going to laugh at me. They're, they're not going to accept it. 
like he's like Paul, that's the only way you're going to reach your goal is other people need to keep you accountable. So the next day after practice, I went in front of the team. I was shaking. I told the team that I wanted to make my varsity baseball team. And I thought they were going to laugh at me, but instead they clapped for me. I felt so good about myself. And I know this now. Um, I didn't know this when I was going through this journey, but I was starting to send a different energy out towards kids. I started to gain more confidence in myself. I started to ca carry my shoulders back, my head up. And as a result of this new energy, I was sending out to these kids. They were sending out a new energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. So my high school career is much different than my, my middle school career, all because of how I carried myself and the energy I sent out. And that alone is the win. But the cherry on top of the whole thing was I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. In my senior year, I pitched a three-hit shutout, and they poured the Gatorade on me, and I felt so alive. I felt so good about myself. I graduate high school uh, shortly after that, and I start to really reflect on that goal when I made it. When I first made that goal, all I wanted to make that goal was just to ignore the noise, to, to not have that bullying being in my head all the time and that, and that feeling that sadness and anger all the time. And I never thought that I'd ever make the varsity baseball team, but I was able to do it. So I also started to think about what that principal said to me years earlier about not being college material. See, all through high school, I pretty much mailed it in. I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball because I thought, why go any further than that? I'm not college material. Let's not waste any time. Let's just do enough to get out, stay eligible and move on. So my grades weren't that great. But I thought, well, why not set another goal for myself and say that I am college material? So I enrolled into a, a junior college. That was the only place that would accept me at the time. I got myself a math tutor. I got myself another tutor for other subjects. And I went to the math lab almost on a daily basis. I did everything necessary to increase my grade point average. And as a result of my hard work, I took my barely a 2.0 all the way to 3.5, where I was able to transfer to a four-year university and graduate and become college material. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you're wrong. I am college material. I did it. But, you know, I reflected on that. And I, in the end, I probably should thank her because I heard her voice constantly through my journey at college saying that it wasn't college material. And I was saying, I'm going to show you. So in the end, she motivated me to hit the books very hard to get it done. So maybe that was her motivation all along. I don't know. But I move on. I'm 22, 23 years old. I have no life experience whatsoever. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. And I have a family friend who was a CEO of a small bank. And he said, hey, Paul, I, hey, I can hire you to become a mortgage loan officer. You want to give it a shot? And I'm like, why not? I'm not doing anything else. Let's go. So he hires me in. And no one wants to talk to me. I'm being shunned. I, I'm, I'm sitting alone at lunch. I haven't felt this way since, since middle school. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I quickly realized what the issue was. Everybody there knew I knew the CEO of the company. So it wasn't because of my talents. It was all because of who I knew. So uh, they thought I did not belong there. So what they were going to do is they were going to chew me up and spit me out because I don't deserve to be there. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm going to show that I do belong here. So I dug in. 
I had a great attitude. I never complained about the workload. And from afar, I was observing what the top loan officers did in the company because they didn't want to talk to me. And I'll never forget my first day of wanting to go out in the field for the first time and get loans. My family friend stops me and goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out. I'm going to get loans. And he's like, no, 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 no. You are not ready. Let's get you a little more training and then we'll send you out there. And I'm like, no, 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 I got this. He's like, okay. So I go out there and he is absolutely right. I needed way more training. I was falling on my face left and right. But slowly but surely, months would go by and I started to realize what value I could add to these clients. And, and what, I, what was happening was I was bringing in loans and then more loans and more loans and more loans. And two years later, I became a top producer in this company. And uh, the people that didn't want to talk to me when I first got there are now coming to me with questions on how I was able to turn things around at such a fast clip. And I really, really loved the mortgage industry. And I thought this was me, my career that I was going to have the rest of my life. Then 2008, 2009 hit and the economy just tanked it. I'd get a job in the, in the mortgage industry and that company would go belly up. And that would happen three or four times. So I was starting to lose the luster of being in the industry. And I'll never forget the last place I was at, they brought in this motivational speaker to pump us up, to increase our sales numbers. And the guy blew me away. The guy was tremendous. And after his presentation, I, I made a point to go talk to him to tell him how much of a great job he did. And he was such a nice guy. He allowed me to pick his brain a little bit. He said he started as a life coach. I'm like, life coach, what in the heck is that? And he explained to me what that was. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe I want to get into that. So on the off time of doing the mortgage stuff, I, I was getting my coaching certificate and I started telling people that I wanted to get into, into the coaching world. And people are kind of humoring me going, okay, life coach, whatever, just get loans, but just keep moving on, dude. And then things start to get serious. I started posting things on my social media. I started getting my website up and the legal team that I was at and the mortgage industry uh, came to me one day and goes, what is the stuff that you're posting on social media and what's this website about? And I was very transparent. I said, well, you know, I'm going to do coaching on the side while I, I have my full-time job as a mortgage loan officer. And I'm like, well, this could be a conflict of interest. We're going to have to examine this and get back to you. I'm like, that doesn't sound so good. And they got back to me with this five-page report of what I could not couldn't say. And I'm like, looking at this going, there's no way I'm going to get make any traction in this in the mortgage or in the coaching world if I follow this to the T. So I spent a year just paying down all my debts, doing everything necessary to take this leap of faith. And a year later, I quit. And people are looking at me going, you idiot, what in the heck are you doing? You're a mortgage loan officer. You just made President's Club. This is what you do. This, this coaching, life coaching nonsense is pie in the sky. You're, this is nothing. I go, well, I want to give it a go. I want to give it a try. And they're like, okay, whatever, buddy. You'll be back. And for a while, Jack, I thought they were going to be right. I wasn't getting any traction in the coaching world at all. And I had a realization on what the problem was. How do I expect people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? See, the story I told you about having cerebral palsy, I wanted to bury that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story. 
Reason being is all through growing up, I didn't want any special treatment. I just wanted to be treated like anybody else. So the thought of bringing up that I had cerebral palsy, I, I would almost be in tears talking about it. I didn't want to go there. Um, but I thought the only way that I'm going to make traction in this, in this coaching world is if I own my story. So I started telling my story and it was shaky at first because I really didn't want to do it. But I started telling it more often and more often, more often. And I'll never forget it. My first client ever comes to me and goes, Paul, I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have X, Y, and Z. And I feel like you understand me and I would love to hire you as a coach. And, and we're building from there. Um, and I'm on a mission to make sure that everybody keeps their pen and writes the story they want for their lives, not for anybody else, but for themselves. Because all through my life, people wanted to take the pen from me and write the story for me. But all through my life, I said, no, I'm taking the pen back and write it, write it, write it the way I want to write it. And now helping out lots of people and continuing the journey. And I'm here talking with you, Jack. That is, that's, that's, that's fantastic, Mike. That's absolutely fantastic. I love it. You know, the, the similarities between us is just, it's, it's kind of scary in places. Mm. You know, I... I don't have cerebral palsy, but um, you know, I, I I was seen as special. I was the um, I was I was a dyslexic kid in the eighties. Mm. There was no such thing as this really as dyslexia. So I was thick. I was stupid. So I got put into the special school system, mm. where you know. Um, when most people my age were leaving school with, um, you, you know, the equivalent to our graduation, which is like GCSEs, I was leaving with certificates on changing a fuse and a plug, riding a 50cc moped, um, answering a private telephone, um, counting to 100. These are all real certificates that I have, and I must, must pull them out at some point. You know, I, I couldn't read all right. So, you know, but I always had a brain and I always had words. I was always good with words. I was always good with, I was lived, my brain works to a beat. So, you know, I, I loved poetry, but I just couldn't get it down. So, you know, my, like your, your go-to was to, prove them wrong um my go-to was violence my go-to was not giving a crap um my go-to was mental illness and addiction um you know and that's partly because of the the abuse that i suffered as well at school from from the teachers but um you know, I that that first part of your story, I can really sort of, you know, identify with, um, and wanting to show that you're not what they expect you to be. But the difference is, it took me another thirty years to <laughs> to get there. It's only in the past eight years since I got got sober that I've been able to focus on my story. And I, lo I absolutely love what you said um, 
about getting vulnerable with other people. That is exactly why I set this up. Because in 20, 2016, I spent six months working with escapees of human trafficking, sexual slavery, and exploitation. And I wrote a book about it in uh, 2017, 2018. And I was, people were telling me that, oh, you're a bloke, you can't write about stuff like that. Um, you know, you're a bloke, you don't understand about rape and you don't understand about abuse. But I did because I went through it, but I wouldn't talk about it. And I kept it inside myself and I used drugs and things like that to center myself and, and, and to make myself feel better. Um, you know, drugs were the answer to my trauma. So when I started this in, in 2019, uh, 2020, sorry, uh, with uh, a friend of mine who's a motivational speaker is a, by the name of Jason Edwards. He's also a hostage negotiator. Um, we were having a chat and um, he said, you need to do something. He says, you need to put your mind in something. You know, I'd, I'd started getting honest on Facebook and a lot of people didn't like it. I was getting bans for talking about uh, abuse and, and, and talking about things like that. And then I said, I need to, need to get other people on. So I, I started asking people, and even writing the emails to them, I was getting vulnerable in the emails and being open and honest because I'd live a very, lived a very closed and dishonest life. So I believe that doing this, I need to be open and honest, but not just open and honest. Um, this is a two-way conversation. It's, we're, you know, we're identifying with each other, with each other's stories stories are the building blocks for life uh, and you know i'm a bit of a story collector i'm a storyteller and you know i wanted to get people on here that have been through things that i've been through like um losing people to suicide um getting clean uh, and getting into recovery losing people to murder um all, all of which I've done and I've, I've sat here and I've laughed with guests. I've cried with guests a lot. I've cried a lot with guests because I can't expect my guests to be open and honest and vulnerable unless I'm open, honest and vulnerable. And I think that there are so many podcasters out there, podcasters, vloggers, whatever that, you know, they, they, they get people on and they, you know, listen to their stories and they interview them and they're really good at interviewing with scripts and, you know, it's very stylish and, you know, it's great, but it feels a little soulless for me. Um, I need to be able to identify with other people. Addiction and trauma are about a disconnection from family from self from a god of your own understanding and this is part of my reconnection um and i love it when people like you you, you know I, i've always i used to focus on true crime and you know it's only been the past year or so that i've started having other people on that are not involved with true crime because i wanted to open it up 
to a whole wide variety of people. And I, I would have never, to be honest, thought about, you, you know, looking for motivational speakers and things like that, because at the end of the day, TEDx did that. So, I, you know, I didn't think about doing that. But it's only since joining the podcasting community and the, um, you know, the uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that, that I've found people like you and the, the stories are so... Hope, hopeful. They, 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 they give a lot of hope. Your story um, has given me a lot of hope. Um, I've got disabilities now in, in my older age. I have uh, multiple cirrhosis. Um, I have uh, what's called paresthesia, which is uh, a... Um, uh, it's basically I've only got 90% feeling down the left-hand side of my body. So I'm like you, you're like, I've got a lot of weakness. And I didn't want my disability to be my thing. Um, but the way that I lived my life and the mistakes that I'd made, I realised that that had to become my thing. But... Um, I want to ask you, um, you, you know, in re of, of disability and and things like that, would you see, do you see it now in retrospect as being more of a, um, a help uh, and a, a superpower than, than a hindrance? Well, Jack, if you asked me that question at 20, I would tell you, hell no, it is not. But now that I'm 41 and have a little bit more of knowledge about who I am and how I've been able to help people, um, I, I don't know if I'd call it a superpower, but it, it's part of my life and it's part of my journey and it's made me who I am. So in that sense, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, these these things that we go through um it doesn't feel like it at the time but you, you know we we learn from it and you know i suppose i take some gratitude from it because it's made me the person that i am today um so you know if, if there's anybody watching here that 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 has a disability, a physical disability, a, a, a learning disability, um, or, or whatever. Um, what would you say to them? I would say, first off, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace in who you are, because you are awesome the way you are right now. And focus in on the present. Focus in on who you want to be right this moment. Um, don't worry about who you were in the past. Don't worry about who you want to be in the future. But focus in on who you want to be right this minute. Because that's what's the most important part, the present. Because you can go through any goal that you want in life. If you're not happy now, you're probably not going to be happy then either. 
So it's, 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 it's what we need to do is we need to focus in on who we are right now and be happy who we are right now and stop focusing on what we can't do because there's plenty of things that you can do. And out of all the things that you can do, there is something in there that's going to light you up, light you up inside. And that could be your passion and you should go after it. I, I tell you to make a list. And don't judge yourself. Just make a list. Be creative. Just write, 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 write. And then go back to it a few days later and look at that list and go, you know what? I don't like all this, but I like this. And try it out because it could be something that you want to do, something that you want to have passion. I feel like the purpose of life is to have a purpose, to want to get up in the morning and start your day because you feel so alive because you're doing something that you want to do. It's not all about accomplishing the goal. It's more about the journey of you going after that goal. Like I told you earlier in my story about um, going after uh, the varsity baseball team. The win was the journey because it changed me for the better. I started carrying myself differently. I carried myself with more confidence. I was happier and I was sending out a different energy. And as a result of this new energy, kids started sending a different energy back towards me and I started gaining friendships because of it. That's the win right there. The journey was the win. The cherry on top was the baseball, but the journey is where it's at. That is, that's the magic sauce right there is going after something, something that tickles your belly. And it's different for every person. It could be a job. It could be a business. It could be a pursuit of travel. It could be friendships. There's so many things that could make it be your passion. And it's up to you, us to find what it is. And, and another thing about passions, as we get older, our passions change. So we, sometimes we have to reinvent ourselves because our likes and dislikes change as we get older. So what I want to say to people is don't be discouraged if you haven't found your passion. A lot of people haven't found their passion, but what you need to do is start trying different things and getting out of your comfort zone and trying to find what could be your passion. Mm. I, I do think that is important. Um, when I started focusing on me and my story and my trauma and working with it and getting better, I started using creativity as a um, as a cathartic exercise. Um, you know, I'd always tried to excel in creativity, and it would cause more mental health issues. But when I started to use it as a cathartic exercise to get out some of these demons, to speak like this openly and honestly to get on my platform and on other people's platforms. That's when I started to rise above. Uh, and when we do that, I, I believe we can do anything when we set our mind to it. Um, you know, the, there are so many people out there that, you know, I know I've got a lot of people on my Facebook who are, are striving for something, anything, um, but don't necessarily know how to get there. Um, you know, I, I think it's a culture thing as well between, you know, I've spoken to a lot of uh, American um, people and a lot of Canadian people and, you know, it, it, um, the way that you speak and the way that you 
get your um, you know your motivational speech speeches across. It's, you know, it's our inspiring, and it's 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 how you listen. Um, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen here, but you know, it it's um, we're kind of more reserved, um, and I, I think uh, especially when you're in, uh, in early recovery, it's difficult to face. I call it facing those giants. We all have giants that we need to face, and I now know this as a as a 45 year old man that we have giants to face um we have you know we're all like david standing in front of front of goliath um and for some people it you know it could sound like a really little thing and for other people it's absolutely massive um you know like for some it's just getting out of bed um and getting dressed for others it's it's getting out um you know for others it's working with their mental health um it's getting to meetings it's you know we living in a post-pandemic world and it's kind of i think it's difficult for everybody but i think that what we need to do now then the next step from victim to survivor is thriver and to thrive we need to be speaking with people like you and people like that i've had on before and people that i'm going to get on in in the future and to an extent people like me um and teaching um and learning uh, i spend a great deal of time in front of a computer um, because I, I i like it um i like talking to people and i like that connection um and i you you know i know we live in a society now where there's a a lot of there's better understanding of disability um it's still not great to be honest yeah you know, mental um disability and, and physical disability it's you know the understanding is still not great and it's down to people like us to stand up and, and and shout about it um you know so what is the next step for you what's your next goal what's your next set of goals now that uh, you alluded to with covid restrictions uh, subsiding i want to get back into doing uh, workshops uh, live workshops geared to get people out of their comfort zone boost up confidence, be vulnerable, having a space where you're not judged and you're not judging anybody else so that you can take back that pen and write the story that you want for yourself. So that's, that's what's coming up for me actually next month. I have my first in-person event and gosh, <laughs> a couple of years. Um, and uh, I'm excited about it. So that's the start of it is, is getting back out there on the, on the circuit because, uh, you know, I love Zoom and I love because because of Zoom, I'm able to connect with great people like you, Jack. But there's nothing greater than being in person with people and having that energy back. It's just just drives me. It just drives me. So that's the the, the next realm of, of of this journey for me is getting back out there, doing workshops and um, 
my goal with the workshops is just to make when people leave the workshop, I want them just to have that fire in their belly going, okay, great. Let's go. Let's do it. And, and that's my sole purpose with that and build from there. So is, is, is there a possibility of a book in the pipeline? You know, everybody talks to me about a, a book and, and I definitely want to do a book, but I'm all, always about that fire in the belly. That's what drives me. That's what gives me the purpose. And that's what I talk about with my clients is what's what drives you. What's that fire in that belly? And right this moment, I don't have the fire in the belly for doing a book, but I feel like it, it's going to get there. Um, but right now, I want to be focusing in more on the on the workshops and my one on one clients and the organizations uh, hiring me to do uh, talks and such. Brilliant. So what um, what resources do you have that we can link people up with? I appreciate that. Um, the first one is, is my website, a call to action coach, a call to action coach is the website. And um, you could book an appointment with me on there. I even have, I, if you're old school, I even have my cell phone on there. Cause I I'm, I'm accessible. So if you want to just pick up a phone and call me and set up an appointment that way, we can do it that way. I, or, or otherwise you can set an appointment there. I always do a, fr a free consultation first, first to make sure that we're a fit um, because I work with a lot of coaches. And sometimes when I'm talking with a client and I go, you know what, we're not a fit. And I'll, I'll explain the reasons why I feel like this coach would help you because their expertise are X, Y, and Z. And the same token, what happens is another coach that, that I'm friends with will do the same for me he goes, you know what, Paul's the best person for you, because he's all about rewriting your story and, and et cetera, et cetera. So if I feel like if you do right by the client, then everything will work out in place. And that that's huge for me. And secondly, I, I thank you, Jack, you just joined my group today. But uh, I have a Facebook group called rewrite your story and it's people from all over the world. And what it is, is we allow people to share their life stories. And us as a group, all we do is support. There is no judgment. And we have meetup groups. We have a meetup groups uh, once a month where we do it in a, a live uh, virtual setting where we allow everybody just a space to talk about you know, what's been going on. And we're just there to support and lift each other up. And if, we, and if you have successes, we lift you up that way. We, we celebrate your successes as well. And matter of fact, since this is a live, live thing that we're doing right now, I actually have a, an event tomorrow um, at 5 p.m. Pacific time where, where we're bringing on a relationship therapist. And she's going to talk about the boundaries that we need to set with our significant others, our family, our friends, and our coworkers. So it should be very interesting. And then uh, the first part of the meeting, though, is always us just sharing. And I give a, uh, a space for everybody to share and tell us what's been going on. And, and so we can be there to support and, or celebrate. Hmm. So for all you night owl Brits out there, that would be 1am. <laughs> yeah. um, I will link Paul's website and his um, Facebook page um, to this post. Um, and it will also go on to YouTube and onto whatever flavor audio podcast you listen to. Um, Paul, I really want to thank you for coming on. 
Um, I love your honesty. I I love uh, your your spirit and just your fight. Um, it's it's really great to um, be able to hear that, and I've I've got a lot of inspiration from that. So thank you for coming on and being so open and honest. Jack, thank you for the opportunity to share my story. You made me feel so comfortable. Thanks again, my friend. Thank you. Guys, as always, I'm going to end it now. Um, I shall see you next week. I'm not going to tell you who because sometimes things don't happen. But, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. I love everybody, that all the followers and fans and everybody that gets involved. Um, and yeah, if you can't watch it now, please watch on catch up. This is probably one of my shorter ones, um, which will um, make some people happy and some people a bit sad. But um, yeah, that's great. Thank you, guys. Uh, and I shall see you next time.